0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at Eastsidesf.com. Now enjoy today's sermon. Thank you, Olivia. It's a great question uh, that we all need to be asking ourselves. And do they see Jesus in me? That really is our life's purpose, is to convey the image of Christ in our lives. So, appreciate that message in Psalm this morning. All right, we're going to be in Mark chapter one. 1. One more time out of Genesis this morning, Mark chapter 1. And as you turn there, go ahead and stand out of respect for God's word. Mark chapter 1. And uh, we'll, uh, again, we've been out of Genesis for a couple of weeks. And we'll be, Lord willing, getting back to it next week. Last two Sundays, I focused more on the Christmas, parts of the Christmas story, the aspects of the Christmas story. This year, I'd like to challenge you with something more connected to the new year. Being the first Sunday of the year, it seems like a good opportunity then to convey some things that, have been, that are on my heart. Um, the, this time of year lends itself to setting goals and, and trying to reach goals and starting over and having a fresh start and and I'm all for motivation to take some steps, especially in the Christian life. And I don't want to miss some of the momentum that you have with a new year. And this, this story really is about a, an unsuspecting group of people who were about to start something brand new. They weren't, they weren't envisioning. They weren't, they weren't picturing that this was about to happen. It's an opportunity, though, to change the world by following Christ for the disciples. Let's look at Mark chapter 1. It says in verse 14... Uh, that's where we're going to begin Mark chapter 1 verse 14 it says now after that John was put in prison Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent ye and believe the gospel now as he walked by the sea of Galilee he saw Simon uh, what's, what's Simon's other name Simon Peter okay Simon's other name is Peter Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets." And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. If I had a title this morning, I, I would call it "Drop Your Nets." If I had a subtitle, I might would say "Live for Me or Live for Christ." That is the question. Drop your nets is the focus this morning, and let's pray and ask God to help our time together in His Word, Father. We come and humble ourselves and pray that you would use our, help us to use our time wisely, God. I pray that you would help us to engage, that you would use this, this passage to speak to us in a special way. Praying that you would work on hearts that are here this morning. God, do something special among us. God, we pray that you bless the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I had a, a plan this morning. I was going to start by giving a fishing illustration because we're talking about fishermen. But I have a confession to make to Eastside Baptist Church is that that is this that I am a terrible fisherman. And if and we've got some fishermen in the in the room here today and you probably wish I would have started with a good fishing illustration but as you'll see later, I'm going to demonstrate something. Um, I just don't have the gift. I don't have the knack. My dad, I grew up in a fisherman's home. My dad would take me and my brother fishing. My brother's seven years younger than me. I mean, he was like six months old catching more fish than me. It, was, it just doesn't work. I enjoy it. The older I get, actually, the more I enjoy it. But I just don't have the knack. So I'm going to skip the fishing illustration. We'll get to another one maybe later. I just start with the background of the story here. Is that okay? All right. Thank you, Heath. Okay. <laughs> By the time Jesus Christ encountered his, encountered his disciples here in Mark chapter 1, he'd already been in the public eye for a few months. Now, a lot of people believe that maybe they followed him the very first time they ever encountered him. Uh, but this was not their first introduction to Jesus Christ. His fame as a teacher had been spreading. People knew about him. I'm Two of the men in our text, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, they were clearly disciples of John the Baptist, and so they were already aware of Christ. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. If we were to go over to John 1, we won't this morning, but we would see that Andrew was actually standing there next to John the Baptist when John the Baptist declared, behold the Lamb of God, talking about Jesus Christ. So Andrew, it says at in, over in John 1 that at that point, Andrew actually went to uh, Jesus went to jesus' house with him, spent the day with him and so uh, his brother then Simon Peter, Andrew's brother uh, John, Andrew went and found him and, and, and so they know about Jesus and and uh, they know who he is they've been they're intrigued by him uh, there's potential maybe Jesus has been on the scene for a matter of weeks or maybe even months before we get to here here to John or to Mark chapter one. So they were excited about him. They knew who he was, and and like any good Jew, they'd spent their whole lives uh, looking for the Messiah. So when John the Baptist declared that this is him, they believed it. They knew who Jesus was. So based on Mark, on where Mark starts, you might think this was their first introduction, but it's not. They'd been prepared for Christ by the ministry of John the Baptist. They had observed him. They they had heard Jesus preach to the crowds. So when he came walking along that day, they knew who he was. And I start with that this morning on purpose because our decision to submit our lives to Jesus Christ begins with an understanding of who he is. See, if Jesus Christ is God's son, if he is who he claims to be, then there should be nothing that he asks of us that we're not willing to submit. I'm going to say that one more time because it's important to our text this morning is that if Jesus Christ is who he says he is, then there's nothing he asks of us that should be off limits. If he is God's son, if he is the king, if he is Messiah and you believe it, then I'm asking you this. Why are you not fully submitted to him in every area of your life? We're just jumping right in this morning. Why are you not submitted to Jesus Christ? If He is who He says He is, and you know that He is who He says He is, you believe it. Is there some area in your life that you have not submitted to Him? And by the time we get down to the end of this, that end of it, that's what I want to identify in each of our lives. Either you, if you say, I believe that He is the Son of God, but there's not, there's something that you're not willing to lay at His feet, then either you don't believe He's the Son of God, or you're choosing to live a lesser life. Only one of those two things can be true. And that's the choice the disciples have here in Mark chapter 1. And I want to see first that Jesus came on purpose. Look at verse 16. It says, now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee. Now first, I just want to to make, make it obvious. Jesus Christ didn't cross their paths by accident. He's not just out for an afternoon stroll. He comes by the Sea of Galilee on purpose to cross paths with these men. That's how the Lord operates. Many people believe that in some sort of deism, meaning that maybe God created the heavens and heaven and the earth. He created the earth and he, he put man on earth. And then he just kind of sp- spend the top and walked away and just lets natural laws and and those kinds of things uh, deal with the world. And, and he just lets those things uh, can determine how the world spins. But that's not true at all. If you read your Bible, you see that God is actively involved in the, in the lives of mankind. He didn't. He, he, Jesus came on purpose. But what was his purpose? Well, uh, it, it's always his purpose is that he is actively seeking people. He is actively seeking people. That's what he does. He knew where those fishermen would be. So he comes to where they are. And listen, he always knows where you are. He's interested in your life. He cares about you. And if you've ever wondered if the holy God of heaven notices you, not only does he notice you, but he loves you and he seeks you. Luke 19 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And for many in this room, that used to be us. We were the ones lost. And now by the grace of God, if we've received Christ as our Savior, we're no longer lost. We should be thankful for that this morning. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He knows where you are, and he seeks you. And this morning, if you'll pay attention, it will become obvious that he's at work in your life, just like he was at work in the lives of these two fishermen. So Jesus came on purpose, but the disciples also had a purpose here. Their purpose, again, is is found here. It says, now he walked by the Sea of Galilee, verse 16. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. You're asking, okay, Jesus Christ's purpose is to seek men. He's coming for a reason. These, men's, these men had a purpose as well. And that they, their purpose was they lived to fish. We've got some real fishermen in the room. How many of you call yourself a real fisherman? Okay, you love to fish. Okay, we've got a few of you up here. Well, I mean, no wonder South Dakota didn't have a lot of fishermen. The water's normally frozen half the year. So I don't know how that works. If anybody ice fishes, I'd love to go sometime, by the way. And uh, be out there for about five minutes, then ready to go home. Okay. You got some real fishermen. You know, these men, they were real fishermen. These men lived to fish. The the Sea of Galilee was a very busy fishing place. And it's called a sea, but it wasn't really a sea. It's it's really more of a large lake, but there's an abundance of fish. And you can imagine how important the fishing industry was to the nation of Israel. Fish was their primary meat. There were were a lot of full-time fishermen out on the Sea of Galilee... These men were not fishing for sport. This was their livelihood. They were probably even prominent fishermen with, with a successful business. If nothing else, they lived to fish and they fished to live. This is their purpose. So when Jesus comes by, it says that they were casting a net. And, they, and, I, and I bought a net. This is a casting net. And I don't know much about these things. So as, as I already told you, I'm not a very good fisherman. But apparently... Here's how I would cast the net. Well, what they would do is they would cast this into the water, and it would be much bigger than this. But they would cast it in such a way that it would lay open, all the way open like a large circle. Here's how I cast it, okay? Ready? I open up the circle so it does what it's supposed to do. There it is. So a large circle. They would throw it. It makes a circle. There's weights around the outsides of the net. And that net would sink to the bottom. And then they would pull it back and the weights would drag along the bottom. And as they did, the fish would be caught in the net. At least that's my understanding. A lot of people use these to catch bait. And my, my, uh, my motto is, why are you going to catch bait if you're not going to catch anything else? Okay? <laughs> so this is the net, very similar to what they would use. They would throw it out in the water. They would throw it in such a way that it would open a large circle and it would catch catch the fish and they would pull it back into the boat. And sometimes they would bring in hundreds of fish at a time. This was their life. And I know I've been joking about it, but folks, this net represents the purpose of the disciples. This was their life, it was their livelihood. They lived for the net, they lived for the fish. But I want you to look at what Jesus tells them when he comes by. In verse 17, it says, Come ye, Jesus said, to them, come ye after me. And I will make you to become fishers of men. See, they knew what he meant. He, they, this wasn't an offer to go grab lunch. I mean, John the Baptist, their mentor, their, their leader had been arrested. And, and they were without his presence. And they were probably had no guide and they didn't have any direction. They were probably at a loss at this point reeling from that. They, so when Jesus commands them, he comes along and says, come ye after me. There may not, there, they may not have known all that it meant. I'm sure they didn't know all that it meant, but they knew what he was saying. He was telling them, it's time for you to find a new purpose. It's time for you to find something bigger than what you've been spending your lives doing. It's time for you to follow me. And he says, I will make you fishers of men. If you'll follow me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to change your purpose from something that's fairly small to something much more meaningful. He's not saying, now listen, you're never going to fish again. No, because we know they fished again. They still, at times, would go out on the boat. They would fish. They still had to take care of their their families and things like that. Uh, But what he was saying is, though, that this this will no longer represent Your life's purpose. See, notice this isn't a suggestion. It's a command from the Lord. He was asking for this upfront, nothing held back commitment to drop everything and follow him. These men are born fishermen. All they knew was fishing. Their lives depended on the money they made from it. Their families depended on the business. The second second set of brothers in this story, James and John, a couple verses later, they were in the boat with their father. I mean think about that they weren't just out with it's not just their wives and their kids that depended on it this was a family business their father was dependent on James and John continuing the family business this was no small thing for Jesus to come along and say follow me which makes Andrew and Simon's response fascinating it says in straightway it says straightway they forsook their nets And then he goes a little further and he sees James and John and they're in the boat with their father Zebedee and they're mending nets. And it says they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and they went after him. So I just want to just give you an idea of what's happening. You've got got Peter and Andrew and they're throwing the net in the water. They're fishing. They're casting their nets. You've got James and John and they're in the ship with their father and they're mending their nets Both sets of brothers are holding nets. Jesus comes along and he says, come ye after me and I will make you fishers of men. And what do they do? Simon and Peter and James and John, lifelong fishermen, they looked at Jesus and they looked at their nets and they dropped their nets. And they walked after Jesus to follow him. How would you feel if you're Zebedee and you're in the boat and your sons who you raised to be fishermen, who you raised to give the family business to, they leave you mending nets with the servants. It would have been devastating to the business. Luke 5, if we read Luke 5, it says specifically Simon, probably Simon and Andrew, but Simon and James and John were in business together. They were business partners. So you've just lost most of the key men from the business at the same time if you're a Zebedee. How do you recover from that? How do they not, others would think, how do they not think of their father? How do they not consider their families? How do they not think about their legacy? How do they not think about their livelihood? Uh, it's a little shocking until you start to think, okay, Jesus came with a purpose and the disciples had a purpose. And in that moment, in the boats, the disciples recognized that Christ's purpose was greater than theirs. See, remember, these men, they knew who Jesus was. In their minds, if he really is the Messiah, they couldn't lose by following him. Their best option was to follow. If he truly was the son of God, they'd be fools to hold on to their purposes. They'd be crazy not to follow. They, they'd heard his message. They heard men, their mentor, John the Baptist, say, behold the lamb of God. They'd spent time observing Christ. They believed who he said he was. And because of that, they realized this truth. And I want you to hear it. This And it's similar to what I said in recent weeks, but I want you to catch it. What they gave up to follow Christ was nothing compared to what they gained. What they gave up to follow Christ was nothing compared to what they gained. See a few weeks ago I preached on Mary and her response to the angel and her God's plan for her life and it was very similar to this and the truth is this principle can be seen all throughout scripture is you could also almost make it the point of every passage you ever preach and that what you give up to follow Christ is nothing compared to what you gain. So think about what the disciples were leaving. I mean they were going to lose business for sure. They were going to they were going to have, uh, money was going to be tighter. Uh, they were likely going to lose some, uh, some family and, and business relationships. They were, they were likely going to um, have to endure some mockery for leaving their family business behind and, and following Jesus. I mean, we know that not everyone loved Jesus. I mean, money and provision would get tight. These are all important things. But what I wanted, want you to see this morning is, but when they measured what they would gain by following Christ, all the other things moved down on the list of priorities. See, all of those things are important, but if Jesus Christ is who he says he is, then he automatically deserves to be on the top of our priority list. So when he said, I'll make you fishers of men, they knew what he meant. That you, what you're doing is necessary for your families. It's, and it's necessary for your business. But in terms of difference making. Get this transition here. See what Jesus Christ was saying. He says what you're doing it matters. It's important for your family. It's important for your business. It's important for your livelihood. But what he's saying is. But in terms of difference making. What you're doing is about this big. See, if you'll follow me, I will take you from living this much of the life you were meant to live to living this much of the life you were meant to live. See, you can go from being this big of a difference maker in the world. This is what he's saying. You can go from being this big of a difference maker in the world to being this big of a difference maker in eternity. See, right now, what he's saying is, right now, you fish for fish. Right now, you do what you do for food and money, and both of those matter, but you can't carry either of those into eternity. See, I can turn you into fishers of men, because, and listen, men live forever somewhere. So you can go from doing something that makes a temporary difference to changing the world. And they did. We see that these disciples, by following Christ, these were the men that turned the world upside down. And if you believe, Jesus is saying, if you believe that that I am who I say I am, then you'll have to trust me that I'm more than capable of providing for your family and providing for your physical needs if you put me first in your life. And he confirmed that in Matthew 6, which is a principle I I state all the time, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If we will simply prioritize Christ and put him first in our lives, all of the things that matter to us, all the things that are important to us, he will take care of those. And I say it this way, if we choose to live for the things that matter to God, he'll take care of the things that matter to us. If we choose to live for the things that matter to God, he'll take care of the things that matter to us. In the end, they dropped their nets because what they gained by dropping them far exceeded anything they could have caught in their nets. Those nets represented all they'd ever known, but in order to follow Christ, they had to be willing to leave it behind. Andrew and Peter, it says that they forsook their nets. James and John stopped mending their nets. They dropped everything to follow Christ because his was a greater purpose than their own. They could either live a life that mattered this much or they could live a life that mattered this much. And there are plenty of people in this world, and more specifically, there are people in this room that are in the same boat, so to speak. And that we too must choose whether or not we're willing to drop our nets and follow Christ. And We have a choice to make. Live for my purpose or live for Christ's purpose. See, the choice to follow Christ is up to each of us. Our purpose is to live for Christ and be conformed to his image, to be like him in our words and in our attitudes and in our actions. Every day people look at us and they think Jesus Christ. That's our best, most fulfilled purpose in life. But listen, God forces that on no one. So Christianity is not spread by force. It's a choice in that you decide if you'll respond to God's word. And anyone listening to the word right now in this room is being confronted with the same choice those fishermen faced. You can follow Christ and you can fulfill his purpose for your life or you can hold on to your nets. You can keep on living the life you know or you can surrender and follow Christ. You can hold on to these nets and only ever be a fisherman. Or you can drop them and make an eternal difference for God. It's all your choice. Amen. And make no mistake about it, folks. Christ didn't make these men stop providing for their families. We find out later they still were fishing. They were still doing what they were supposed to. They were, they were not acting irresponsibly. He wasn't asking them to sell their possessions and go live under a bridge. I mean, he was asking them to put him first in their lives. They still fished. They still took care of their families. But there was a lot more faith involved. And before, fishing was way up here. And everything else was underneath it. But by dropping their nets, it meant that fishing is now somewhere down here. And Christ is the one way up here see the choice is yours and some may still say i don't know if i can do this i don't know i still don't know if what christ offers is better than what i have to give up and i just have to remind you all that christ offers i mean let's start with eternal life see he makes it possible for you to spend eternity in heaven and if you attempt to get to heaven in your own power you will fall short all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Ephesians 2, 9 says salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. The reason that we cannot earn our salvation on our own, it's not a problem, it's not the absence of good works. See, we all, all of us have things that we've done that, that the culture or the world might consider good. But our problem is not the, the, the absence of good works. Our problem is the presence of sin. We could work all we want to, but if our sin's not taken care of, then the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's not about good works. It's about the fact whether or not that we have sin. and if our sin has never been taken care of, then we can work all we want to and it'll never be good enough. Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death and it sounds hopeless except the second half of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen, our plan, if we were to do this on our own, and we said, well, you know, I'm, I'm working on my own, and I, I, I've got my own plan. I'm, I'm doing this the best I can, and I really think... My plan's gonna work. No, listen, our plan, we could work it our whole lives. We could work our fingers to the bone. We could do everything we could. Our plan would never be good enough. But God has a plan that is good enough. Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sin in your place. And and that's the difference between our plan and Christ is that our plan will never be good enough, but Jesus is all we need. So to keep your net, some of you, when it comes to salvation, you have a net that you're holding on to. And it's your net of good works. And you think, well, my good works are going to get me to heaven. They'll be good enough. I can, I can surely outshine everybody around me. But it's not about outdoing everybody around you. It's about whether or not you can do enough to cover your sins and you can't. You know what it's time to do? It's time to drop your net of good works and trust God's plan got some in this room maybe even here today and you're not in salvation is eternal life's available to everybody but you haven't received it because of pride and you're holding on to pride, and you say, well, I've made a profession, or I've been around at Eastside for a long time, and and what will people think of me if if I come forward now and say, I don't think that I'm saved, and I need to get it settled, and your pride is holding you back. Listen, I'm telling you, that net is not worth holding on to. It's time to let that net of pride go and trust in Christ's plan. No one will judge or look down on you if you make that decision today got people in the room and your pride is keeping you from submitting yourself to Christ because just you're just a, you've got pride you've never made a profession but you're just not willing to submit i'm telling you that net is not worth holding on to that net will keep you not only from following Christ but it'll keep you out of heaven maybe you've got skepticism in your life maybe you just don't believe it you're not sure maybe you've had doubts and and your faith has been shaken for some reason you've got all these nets of Unbelief and skepticism and good works and pride, and maybe there's even somebody in here and you've got a net of religion, and you think, Well, religion is going to be good enough. I'm, t- I'm sorry. I mean, this seems like a backwards thing for a pastor to say, but I'm sorry. But church has never gotten anybody to heaven. It's a personal trust in Jesus Christ and the work that He has done on the cross that gets you there. Amen. And it's time for somebody to drop their net when it comes to eternal life. That's what Christ offers. What else does he offer? Well he offers abundant life. I mean John 10 10 I use this a lot too. He says abundant. He says I've come that they might have life and more abundantly. You know what it means? It means superior. It means extraordinary. It means uncommon. It means remarkable. It means more excellent. So listen does that sound like the kind of life you have in Christ? If anybody was to describe your Christian life, would they say about you, oh, Ken Austin, extraordinary abundant life. Would they say about you, would they say Dana Maurer, he has an uncommon spiritual life. Would they say about about Heath Chambers, oh, he's got superior Christian life, an abundant life. Would they say uh, about Chad Viss, it's remarkable His spiritual life does that describe the kind of life that you have when i start adding or asking that question and placing those adjectives in front of my spiritual life i think boy, i'm falling so woefully short of the life that jesus christ died so that i could live he wants me to have an abundant superior extraordinary life and yet i'm living so far below it sometimes if you don't follow Christ, you don't get to enjoy a life spiritually superior. You don't get to enjoy the life that's extraordinary. You don't get to live the life uncommon. And listen, I'm not this is not health and wealth tonight. I'm I'm saying not even wealth. I'm not talking about your finances. I'm talking about your spiritual life. In spite of the finances, in spite of the health problems, and in spite of whatever troubles that you face, you can have, as we talked about in Sunday school, you can have joy that only comes from knowing God. That's the abundant life that some of you, God has offered everybody, but some of us are holding on to nets that won't let us enjoy it. And it's time to drop the net so that we can have abundant life. And I don't want to miss the application of fishers of men. Jesus Christ told the disciples he'd make them fishers of men. I don't want to miss that point. That's, that, here's the point. One of the points in this text is that followers are fishermen. And if you're a follower of Christ, but you're not a fisher of men, then you're not a follower of Christ. I mean, that's a takeaway from this. I'm not trying to be hard. That's a takeaway from this passage right here. Jesus, the very first purpose he gave his disciples is said, if you follow me, you'll be fishers of men. A follower of Christ gets to make a difference in that which lasts for eternity, people. Here's a thought. What will be around the throne of God for eternity? Will it be whatever is in your 401k? Will it be what's in your bank account? Will it be uh, the equity that you have in your home or your boat or your vehicles? Will it be the diplomas on your wall? Will that be what's, what matters and lasts through eternity? No. You know what will be around the throne of God for eternity is people. So to live for anything other than people is to invest in things that are temporal, not eternal. So I'm asking you today, Christian, are you a fisherman? Not of walleye or or pike or bass, but of people. See, if you're not, it's safe to say you're likely not fulfilling your role as a follower. So when's the last time... You engaged in the activity of fishing for men. That's literally the purpose Christ gave the disciples. But for some reason, we don't focus on that one. And one of the keys to following Christ is to bring others to Christ. It's the defining characteristic of a follower in this text. So I'm asking you, how are you doing at fishing? You say, well, you know, coronavirus is really kind of thrown a monkey wrench into my plans to invite and tell people. And, you know, people just don't like to be approached and all those things. And I, so I just, I haven't been doing it very faithfully or say, but Saturdays are my one day. And I really, I know I need to get out and I need to maybe blitz and put some flyers on doors. But, you know, I only have one day and that's my one day off. Listen, we all have nets. Everybody has a reason we could use, an excuse we could use to not engage in fishing for men. But if you're a follower, there's no excuse good enough. What nets are you holding on to when it comes to fishing for men? Because it's time to release some of those and get back to our purpose for being a follower. We all have nets. What are you holding on to that's keeping you from following Christ? Is it a career? The appeal to make more money and have more stuff, it's, it's appealing. Financial security, I mean, we all want that, but we don't get to keep any of it. I mean, it doesn't last into eternity. So if your life decisions and schedules are solely defined by a job, I challenge you to evaluate it to make sure it's not a net in your life. I mean, the disciples, they weren't told to stop providing for their families. They were told to put Christ first and let him provide. And what I'm asking you this morning is make 2021 the year that you prove that promise by putting him first. And what you gain by following Christ is worth what you'd give up by focusing on your career or focusing on your finances. Maybe somebody in here, your net is your time. Your time spent with the Lord is the most important time investment of your week. But there are so many things that crowd it out. I mean, we all have a long list of nets that crowd out our time with the Lord and we're not giving him what he deserves. And whether it's through a church family at church or your own personal time, what nets need to be dropped so that you can invest in what matters most in your life and make 2021 the year that your relationship with Christ receives the time that he deserves. And you say, well, I just don't know what I can give up. Or I go to bed so late because I'm working so hard. It's hard for me to get up. Listen, I get it. We all have nets. But let me ask this. What brings the most return? A busy schedule or your walk with God? And when you think of it that way, then when I think of the fact that the most important time I spend is with the Lord every week, it's a pretty easy then decision for me to drop in that Because that matters more. How about fear? There's a lot of people walking around in our culture with a net of fear. 2020 was the year of fear. 2021 doesn't have to be. But see, a lot of people, they live their life fear of the unknown and they're walking around with this net. It's a security blanket and they're afraid of everything. And I, listen, I understand. It's not like it's it's just completely... Uh, you know, just crazy that, you know, people have fear. I mean, when, when all you hear is bad news, no wonder there's fear. I mean, maybe it's a virus or the stock market or it's government overreach, whatever it is. Listen, fear is a net. Fear will keep us from following Christ like we're supposed to. You can't follow the Lord and hold on to fear. And Christ's alternative to fear is faith. And choose to make this year about what you can do for the Lord out of faith rather than what your fear stops you from doing for the Lord. Just make a decision to say, no, this is a year of faith. I've been, I've been captivated or captured or set back by fear for far too long. And it's time for me to take some steps of faith. So I'm asking, what steps of faith does he want you to take in 2021? What you gain by operating by faith far outweighs what you'd lose living in fear maybe your net is self-focused you know this is a time in history where it's creating a culture of self-focused people we've always tended to pride always We're, we're not being encouraged though now to reach out or to people or even talk to people we're not even being encouraged right now to get close to anybody i mean that's that culture is 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 changing how we operate with people it's affecting how we deal with people in our society it's changing us personal connection is disappearing i mean i'm sorry it's not the same on on zoom it's not i mean if people that had christmas over zoom i feel sorry for them it's not the same I mean, you can say it feels the same, but it's not. That personal connection is disappearing, which makes me think that it's all the more important then for us to seek personal connection with people. People are, they they may not act like they want it, but people need to be reached. People need to be connected with. And maybe our, our net is, is like everybody else. It's, it's becoming selfishness. But God wants you to drop it because there's somebody in your life that needs to be invested in. Not pulled back from. There's somebody that needs you. There's a coworker, there's a neighbor, there's a family member, there's a former member of Eastside or somebody you haven't seen in a while. Listen, being a fisher of men means we always look to be a blessing. It's not just reaching the lost, although I think that's a big part of it, but it's reaching those that need to be touched, that need to be connected with, that need to be reached. And it's not about what we get, it's about what we can give to somebody. So I'm asking you, who needs you to drop a net so that you can make a difference their life. Following Christ applies in so many ways. You follow Christ as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a teenager, as a child, as a sibling, as an employee, as an employer, as a citizen. We all have roles and we all have nets that keep us from following Christ in those roles. So what nets are keeping you? from fulfilling your roles for the lord you, what's what's your net friends men what's your net as a husband what what net do you need to drop so that you can be the husband you're supposed to be moms what's your net when it comes to raising your children and and helping your children along what's the net that you need to drop so that you can fulfill that role as a member of Eastside Baptist Church, what's the net that, that you use as an excuse to not really give yourself to the ministry of the Lord? What's the net that's holding you back? Um, as, a, as a teenager, what's the net holding you back in your relationship with your parents? It's time to drop a net so that we can fulfill the purposes that God has for us in our lives. And you say, well, what is there to gain? Well, eternal life, abundant life, Difference making life. And someday when you stand before Christ, you'll be rewarded for the life you live because it mattered the most. So, what do you have to lose? Well, you might have to give up your plans, your purposes. You might have to lose your identity and find your identity in Christ. You might have to give up on your idea of the good life, your plans for the future. Your preferences for your daily schedule. You might have to lose some sleep. That Maybe that's your net. You may have to to decide that I'm going to give my Sundays to the Lord because they're his day anyway. I'm going to meet with my church family on Wednesday nights. That's a net. I have been willing to give it up, but I need to give it up. Because what I gain from following far outweighs what I lose. You have to ask yourself, well, is my purpose better than God's? Well, if it's not then drop a net see the nets aren't losses i've been around people and maybe you have too and it comes down to sacrificing or, or surrendering something to the lord and and it's like it, it, they just it, they're just grieving over all that they've had to give up and i look at that and scratch my head and say wait a second following christ he gave me heaven I mean, all I give up by following Christ is I have to give up eternal separation from God in a place called hell. That's not grieving to me. I'm happy. You know, to come with something that you're willing to surrender, stop looking at it like a loss. Maybe it's hard and maybe there are difficulties, but what you gain far outweighs the loss. Eternal life, abundant life, difference-making life. Dropping a net is an exchange of something inferior for something superior exchanging something temporary for something eternal, something empty for something fulfilling. And we have to stop looking at dropping our nets like they're losses, they're not. What you gain by dropping them is your most rewarding, satisfying, fulfilling, difference-making life. And you have to decide in 2021 if your nets are worth more than Christ's blessings. When Jesus Christ came along that day, He offered those fishermen a chance to trade their small existence for one that would change the world. They exchanged their inferior lives for something abundant. And guess what he offers to you today? The same thing. And if we as God's people would be willing to put him unquestionably first in our lives, we could go from living down here to living up here. We could go from making this much of a difference. To making this much of a difference. So I'm asking which life would you rather have. Define you. It all starts. You know what it starts with. What does it start with. It starts with dropping a net. So what I'm asking you then. What net. Do you need to leave in 2020. So you can follow Christ in 2021. What net do you need to leave in 2020? So you can follow Christ in 2021. Let's stand together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to have a time of invitation. And a time of invitation is a serious time. It's a time I I really pray that you will seek to do business with God.